Gratitude That's my everyday All right, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Quantum Coffee. And today's conversation is with none other than Carl. Just Carl. No, Carl Detman. Uh, he's an amazing dude. We have an incredible conversation. Um, his perspective on life is really enjoyable. He's just such a joy to be around. He is... He was an entrepreneur. He had a successful exit when he was younger, starting a business. Um, and I think now he's in the financial uh, advising realm. But the cool thing about this podcast is we don't really ta- talk much about that. Um, but just his joy and his spirit, um, he's just amazing. And his childlike nature, coming back to the innocence, really enjoying this experience that we've been gifted. And really, I think his journey of life really is to impact the world one person at a time. And so every time I've interacted with them, it's just been really uh, incredible experience. And I know if you listen to this podcast, you're really going to get some of that energy. It just flows out of them in every situation. Um, met Carl through a couple different friends and really excited that I've gotten to know him over the last year and excited to continue that journey with him. Uh, I just know a lot of really cool experiences ahead with him and uh, in this journey of life. And I'm really stoked to bring this conversation to you guys. I hope you enjoy it. If you don't already, make sure you subscribe to this podcast and like it, review it, rate it, share it with your friends. It goes a long way in helping me grow this audience. If there's one thing you can do to support this podcast, it is rate it and subscribe so you don't miss anything. And that being said, I've actually added a new way to support this podcast because it does cost me money to edit these and produce them. And I know the quality is continuing to get better and the guests and the conversations and just, it's been an amazing journey. And so I've opened up an opportunity. If you feel called to support this podcast, I set up a premium feed through this new thing called Supercast and, you know, the traditional ad read model with podcasts, if you're familiar with it, you know, like Joe Rogan and all these other guys, they read ads at the beginning. Um, You have to have tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of listeners. And, you know, the ad reads are very jarring to the audience and most people don't listen to them anyway. And so there's this new thing called Supercast where you can create a premium feed and charge a monthly membership for listeners that want that premium content. So not only are you supporting this podcast and helping me produce it, um, but you'll actually receive a ton of amazing free premium content that will go straight to your feed wherever you listen to podcasts. If that's something you're interested in, there's a link in the show notes. Go check it out. It's very simple. $7 a month and you will yeah, receive some amazing some amazing content. I'm going to do some uh, extra episodes, some more solo casts. Um, if you're interested in what I, my perspective, I'm going to say some motivational, do some motivational episodes as well. Uh, just a lot of really cool things in the works. So if you're interested in that, go check it out. I'm um, also going to plug my community, The Heart Collective, H-A-R-T, The Heart Collective, um, really excited about the momentum building there. It is an exclusive community built for former male professional athletes to help in the transition process and just really find deeper meaning and purpose in life. But we are also developing a new strategy, uh, creating a library of courses and some masterclass content for anybody to purchase. Really excited about that. So if you're interested in that and uh, kind of want to peek behind the scenes of what these athletes are learning in their journey post 
sports, go check it out at theheartcollective.com. And there's a section there for non-athletes. You can enter your email and keep up to date with everything we're working on. A lot of cool ideas um, and vision with that. And it's just continuing to unfold. Very grateful to have the opportunity to build this out and really have an impact in the world. Uh, Really stoked about that. Uh, What else? Mm, I don't think I'm going to take too much more of your time. I'm going to allow you to jump right in and enjoy this conversation with my good friend, Carl. Carl, what's up, brother? It's good to be here. It's so good for you to be here. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm really excited about this conversation. You rode over on your little bike. I did. Staying over at the campsite over. Yeah. The called Classic Pecan Grove RV Park in Austin, Texas. So yeah. You got a really dope Class A RV that you've been driving around. I do. It makes it, it makes, it makes being during the winter months when I'm away from my home in Wisconsin, it makes it really easy to enjoy life. So I love you're it. You're not roughing it. Yeah. I love it too. Cause I've, I've, you know, gotten into that alternative lifestyle myself traveling around in the van. And I think it's really just a transformative experience to, to be on the road. Um, maybe share a little bit about how you kind of got into that lifestyle, a little background of who you are yeah. and where you're at now. Happy to do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a really good question. I'll see if I can wrap it. Who am I? Quickly. Yeah. yeah. Um, you got an hour. Who am I? <laughs> uh, I'm a human. Uh, my name is Carl. Uh, grew up in the Midwest and am an identical twin. And so when you are an identical twin, that does shape a bit of who you are. Uh, even though my twin and I operate very independently, um, it just allows you, I would say I was married at birth because at the end of the day, you're stuck with somebody else and you got to share everything. Do you guys have like those weird, like, tra- what is it called? Telepathic moments? Yeah, I don't know. What, I forgot what it's called, but no. So it's, it's actually really interesting. That was one of those things that is, and I'm sure maybe we'll dive into this and, and talk about it where the more I've let my soul lead my life and the more I've gotten in my body, there's certain people that you are with that you feel very connected to. You feel like you feel like your souls have had synergy for maybe many lifetimes. Mm -hmm. Uh, And even though he is my identical twin brother and our DNA is exact, like we actually had our DNA tested. It is exactly the same. Uh, Him and I both feel like uh, our souls, we, we care about each other, but we don't feel like our souls are coming from the same place or source of being. And so it's interesting having someone who looks like you, talks like you, has some of the mannerisms that you have yet. Both of us look at this and we're like, yeah, we feel actually more connected to many other people on the planet than we do ourselves, which is, I think rare for twins. I think there's a lot of twins that are very connected. Yeah. Um, that's fascinating. Yeah. So that was just a weird, like if I remember from you, cause I'm just like, I'm like, man, I meet these people and I feel so connected to them. And I'm just like, kind of feels weird to me that I don't feel as connected to my brother on more of a soul level. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, that's a little bit of that mystery of, and it's just caused me to, you know, dive down many rabbit holes of being like, well then how, how, how does, do our souls come into our yeah. bodies? And it's like a weird it, scientific experiment. Yeah, like if our soul, if they're like the people that argue there isn't a soul, mm-hmm. if you guys look at the identical DNA, then why are you guys so different? I mean, there's something there that we don't take into account. Right. Yeah. And if you've, I mean, I don't know if you've watched the movie soul yet. The yeah, next one. yeah. It's really good. And I always love when, when, uh, I don't know what, what scene this is, but it's like when, when he dies and he goes and he meets, you know, God or whatever they call it. And, and you see all these little souls that are going to go off to earth. And literally they just, he's just like, Oh, we'll send you three over here to aloofness. And like you three over here to like, you know, whatever, whatever else. And so it's just like, there's no, and there's no rhyme or reason. The it's just like, personality absolutely. Just like, boom, boom. Which I think is like, when you look at a family that has five kids, 
you know, same food, same family, same love. And every kid comes out of the oven different. Yeah. And I just think that's just so fascinating when you think about just our, and that gets to like what our truest essence and our truest nature is, you know, which is a part of that nomadic piece where it's like when, uh, if, if all of us, when we're born, we have everything we need to know. And then mm. I would say society diddles with us a little bit. And then we spend our adulthood trying to get back to what we are the innocence of being a child, right? Absolutely. That pureness. And, and subconsciously when we grow up in an area or, or in a community, they give us all the stories and ideas that we need to shape our life before we ever really have the ability to shape them ourselves. Mm. And when, as we, as someone chooses to wake up and let's say step into their adulthood, which is really finding your inner child, uh, then it, it's our, our community and our society can actually become more of a hindrance than a blessing because people have all of these preconceived notions around how does Carl show up in the world? How does he look? How is he supposed to act? So if I start coloring outside of the lines, even when I'm just like experimenting, I'm just, I'm just trying, right? And that's what's beautiful about a child when you look at play. Play is just experimentation. And so uh, for me being the, the nomadic piece and choosing, so I've been, I think it's like the fourth year I've chosen to take, take the winners and take a break from Wisconsin. Um, and each year it becomes longer and longer. What's nice is it gives me an opportunity to go out into the world and just lean into what does feel good. How do I want to spend my time? How do I want to show up? Because when I came like two years ago, I came to Austin, Texas for the first time I've been back in, in 10 years. Like I got to show up in any way that I wanted to. And I had, you know, months because I have my RV, I have months of being able to just show up, wear the clothes that I want to wear, hang out with the people that I want to hang out with. Uh, and and it's been neat to see how then I take, I would say it like when I leave for the winter, I go to go like mine gold. So it's like, I'm going out to the planet to go and usually it's energetic gold, right? So mm. I'm going out here to have magical experiences with amazing humans. And then I, when I get to return back to my home, what I call my home, um, I feel like I get then to bring all that good energy and that good magic back. And that's really helped me as well in how I show up back home in my community, because I now have had the opportunity to experiment, to play to try new things, to make new connections, to get new insights. And then I actually get to bring it back to my community in, from a confident standpoint. And that actually helps to shape the community I have back home. Mm, yeah. I mean, I find it too. Like I have so much creative flow when I'm out on the road, like constantly going into new experiences. It just makes me feel so alive. And I've noticed, you know, I've just had the baby and we kind of grounded here in Austin for the last six months. And I just feel this real stagnant energy and like, I mean, luckily my wife's very adventurous too, wonderless soul as well. And so we're planning on hitting the road here very soon again, which I'm really excited about, but yeah, going out and there's, there's pros and cons to it all, right? Like having a home base, being grounded mm -hmm. and then going out and exploring. And then when you're out and exploring, it just freshens everything up for me. So when I do come back here, I have this, this new aliveness, new energy, and there's just something really beautiful about being on the road that just, it forces you to be present, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> as you travel. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I do find, uh, so when I leave in the fall and I have a really nice community of friends in, in Madison, Wisconsin, and like, literally I do like this meditation and prayer before I leave. And like, what always comes to me is I'm always like, I know that I'm going to find magic out on this planet, but I don't. And what's exciting to me is I'm like, I don't know where, when, or with who, but I know it's going to happen. And like, for me, I'm just rounding up six months of being gone from Madison and I am, and I, I'm homesick. I'm excited to be home, mm. but on the same token, I look at this and I'm just like, I close my eyes and I can start to recount all of those magical moments I've had that I would not have had, had I not left mm. and had I not been present enough to be open 
to the adventure. Uh, and I, and not only has it been therapeutic for my soul, I can say it's been very therapeutic for other people's souls as well. Yeah. Everybody um, come in contact with and share mm-hmm. that energy with, it's mm-hmm. just really beautiful. And I've noticed when I'm on the road too, like I'm more open to experiencing, like I, when I get my routine here, like I, when I go to the store or something, I'm just like, I have something to do, a goal to accomplish. And I'm kind of just going through life. But when I'm on the road, it's like, I slow down and like, mm-hmm. I might say hey to somebody and like open a conversation. You're just open to the experience. Yeah. Talk about some of the magical experiences you've had in the last six months on the road. Like yeah. what's one of your favorites? Yeah. I'll give you some of that. I think one of the things just is like a, for people who are listening, cause some people will look at you and I and say like, well, I can't take six months. I mean, that's a big leap, right? You're yeah. in your house is six months. What I've found and one of the things I did to get myself ready to spend more time away is even if you get one hour away from your home, so whether that renting an Airbnb for the weekend, if you like camping, getting out and camping, when you can just remove yourself from your physical home, it then that 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 allows for much of the same thing you and I are talking about when we're on the road for three months, six months, however long. Uh, and so for me, it's one of those things. I make it a practice every every couple of weeks, even when I'm home, that I'm actually leave my house for a couple of days, um, be it camping, be it a cabin or something like that, just mm. because it helps just me getting more into being present again. Cause it's yeah. so easy in the day in and day out life to just get that sucked brain into. just creates mm-hmm. habits. Like that's what it's created to do. Yeah. yeah. But to answer your question, uh, magical moments, man, there's been so many, uh, but for me, I can give you, I'll give you like one that was just kind of a, a thing that felt really good in my soul. And it was actually this past Friday. Um, so I'm staying in this cult classic RV park where effectively the city is built around it. So it's in pretty much downtown Austin and, but like when you're there, you feel it's an RV park, right? So, so there's people having campfires and everything else. And for a lot of people who've been in Austin and lived their whole life here, they've never actually been inside this RV park. So it's kind of like when people get an opportunity to go, they, they want to go. And last year before I left Austin, I had a rags to riches party, which is just kind of fun because you're at a, technically a trailer park. Uh, and so just to dress up and have like, you know, drink champagne and, you know, dance and all that type of stuff. And so for me, um, you know, I feel, uh, I, I do a really good job creating a stage, uh, or a platform that then people get to step into. Um, and so for me, uh, creating the opportunity to be able to literally have just this, this get together, this party, and it's literally just from five o'clock to 10 o'clock. Uh, so it was just a happy hour way to kick off the weekend and, it blew away my expectations. It blew away everybody's expectations. About 150 people ended up showing up and it was just all the right vibes. And it was neat because most people didn't know, they maybe know 20 or 30 people there, mm. but there was just all these people that are like, where these people come from? But they were just been these little key people from different parts of Austin that I've run into. Um, and so for me, it was really fun to just create a platform, invite the right people. And then you have 150 happens. people show up. And then, and literally it was just one of these things that was like, you know, it ended at 10 PM, which is not actually that late, especially for Friday night. And, you know, everybody had smiles on their faces. The, you know, the fire performers just were on, they, they, they had a great time. There was just all these different things. And it was just like such neat synergy created just in a Friday after work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that, you know, kicked off the rest of the weekend for I'm sure many people to have a wonderful time, but. Yeah. yeah. I know this is one of your favorite things to do is, is create these experiences to just really connect in the vibes. What's the key to creating a really good party or gathering? Yeah. So I think, uh, everybody has their different gifts and talents. And so one of the, one, when it's, it's funny, um, my core friend group, uh, whenever we have a get together, 
uh, I remember one of my friends, one of my other friends, and she just goes, so what, what, what do you bring to the party? What do you, what do you bring to the event? And this person hadn't ever really been to one of our events beforehand. And so they were kind of like, I have no idea what you're talking about, <laughs> but kind of with the Burning Man theme where, mm. where everybody brings their gifts, everybody brings their magic and their magic could be literally, it could be DJing. Their magic could be dancing. Their magic could be for me. I, I do a really good job just holding space and energy and usually being pretty grounded. Um, and so oftentimes when people come into, you know, my space or my world, they have a lot of things going on in a lot of different areas. For some reason, I do a really good job of just creating energy that will allow people to, to be a little bit more present, um, mm. to be able to let some of that stuff melt away. Um, and so when I look at just my gifts, um, one of them is I'm really good at being future thinking. So oftentimes, you know, I look at this, I'm like, in my head, I'm like, okay, when you know, if we, if we start doing, let's say it's a canoe trip or whatever else. And I know, like I went to the Boundary Waters, uh, which if you, anybody who knows what that is, it's, do you know what the Boundary Waters is? No, I don't know. So it's in Northern Minnesota. It borders Canada and it's only human powered uh, vehicles can go in. So it's canoes, pretty much canoes and kayaks, mm-hmm. but there's no cell service. You are in the middle of nowhere and it's just lake upon lake upon lake upon lake. It's beautiful. So for me, I do a really good job of like thinking ahead of being like, okay, four or five days into this trip, what is it that we're really going to want or what's going to really be enjoyable? And, you know, for my friend group, we like dancing, we like listening to music. And so I made sure to bring a couple, you know, speakers so we could have like a, our own dance party. In your canoes? In our canoes, yes. Some LED lights too. Yeah, <laughs> there was actually some, there was some LED lights. Um, but it's like that. And it's like, and then having like peanut butter M&Ms because, you know, at the end of the day, you're eating, you know, dehydrated food. And so having like, and usually people, when they bring the treats, They'll just eat them the first day and then they have no treats the rest of the mm-hmm. trip. So it's like, for me, it's like, I like thinking ahead and I really like having that stuff. I'm like, you know, I think this is going to be really, really, really nice. And like, I remember one time I was on a hike with some of my friends and I, I just thought at the end of the hike, I'm like, you know, it was one of the inflatable couches that you can fill up with like, yes. the, the sock couches. Uh, I'm like, I'm going to bring one of those. Cause I think that would come in real handy right at the end. And like, we're just dog tired at this hike. And then literally out of my bag, I pull this, you know, this, this inflatable couch and everybody's like, how in the world? And I'm just like, I don't know. I just felt like this is something I wanted to bring. So in my head, I just, I tend to be more forward thinking. Um, and so then I usually have a couple little surprises that help <laughs> a little people. bag of tricks. Yeah. You know, bring just, Carl around. You're going to know you're going to have some fun. Absolutely. I love so. that. Well, let's dive into some of these unanswerable questions. So I usually ask everybody in this podcast three questions and we'll kind of go through them and see where they take us. Um, the first one is, and I like to really widen the lens of reality on this one. Like what is the purpose of life? Why are mm. we even here? Mm. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll answer this two ways. Uh, the first one, and this is, this will go somewhere. So if we think of consciousness and the fact that we have consciousness is pretty fascinating in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, when we look at things like, does a dog have consciousness? And most people say yes, because the dog does things. And I would say, well, how small does something become before it doesn't have consciousness? And, and most people can surmise that like any living organism has consciousness of some level, even a tree. If you, if you, you know, injure a tree, it will help heal itself. Mm. So when I look at our bodies, we have red blood cells and white blood cells and they are in our body and they have consciousness because they do things. But that being said, does a red blood cell know what's a part of a human body? Does it know what, what a human, when a human makes choices or when a human laughs, does it, does a red blood cell? And maybe it does. We just haven't been able to pick up on it. But does that choice make it conscious? Well, which choice? The cho- I mean, the, the, the awareness of the choice, I guess. I, I don't know. That was something to ponder on. Yeah. But when I look at like a red blood cell 
not being knowing that's a part of a body to try and explain to a red blood cell what a human is and what being human means is kind of futile. It's Mm -hmm. not, it doesn't really serve a role, but that being said, it does serve a role right within the body. If we didn't have red and white blood cells, we wouldn't be alive. Sure. So I look at this, when I look at the universe in general and like, what's the purpose of being here to, for, for my mind to, I'm trying to even fathom that is kind of like having a red blood cell understand what it means to be human. It kind of feels futile. Mm. That being said though, it is vital to the survival of a human being. And so when I look at this, I feel that each of us humans does have a role to play. And so as far as it goes with what we can understand, and that gets to kind of that inner child where each child is born, society diddles with us. And then we are trying to get back to that child where it's just like, uh, and when we look at society for human survival for thousands and thousands of years, we all had to be lemmings. We all had to kind of, it's like, you know, when Henry Ford came out with the first model T, he said, you can get it at any color you want as long as it's black. <laughs> and so when we look at this, because to, to help humans survive, we had to kind of lose our individualism, which when you think about like Native American tribes and all that type of stuff was very much about individualism. But when we look at the industrial revolution, it was, we lost this huge sense of individualism because it was more important to survive. Now we're at a point, and this is still new, and this will be probably some part we'll talk about later, is like, what does it mean to be human moving forward? We are now at a time where survival is pretty much guaranteed. I mean, the only way we're not going to survive is if we just exhaust all the resources on this planet and no one's surviving at that point in time. Which is a huge narrative that's taking place right now. It is. It is. And so when I look at uh, individualism, what I hope for myself and for my friend group is that each person is able to tap into that inner child to understand where that inner child, because everyone's different. So when you say like, when I look at what is the purpose of humans in general, I don't really have an answer. I know for myself, what feels very true to me is things around growth and play. And, and so play, like play in general, it just really resonates with me. And so when I look at my gift or my role on the planet, it is to help uh, myself as well as help others, you know, grow through play. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. And it's fascinating how even all this research coming out that, that children learn through play, like mm-hmm. that's the number one thing they learn through, but the, the education systems that we've created kind of stifle that. Right. And then you talk about, there's all this programming for, to create humans that fit within a system that is shifting or needs mm-hmm. to shift. And you know, it's, it is this healing journey, right? Like getting back to where you were before you were mm-hmm. programmed, but it takes a lot of deep questioning of what those stories are. Mm-hmm. And it's a really difficult process for people to wake up to that. Yeah. Right? And as a, a little aside, when we look at just education system, it'll be, va- it'll, it'll be fascinating to see what happens with the education system long-term, because what I think is crazy is, is we teach people about George Washington crossing the Delaware, but we don't teach kids and we have five hours a day to do it on how to manage emotions yeah. on how to be a good human being. If you read Noah Harari's 21 thoughts for the 21st century, he just talks about education in general and like how he's just like, it's not serving the, if we're going to teach children anything, what they should be taught is how to embrace change because that is what is the future. And why don't we? I can, I, so I'll give you two things on this. <laughs> One reason is, is because for the longest time, education was actually a way of suppressing certain people. Mm. So if you think about this, the narrative up until the night, up until recently was, is if you wanted to be successful, you needed to own a home and you need to have a college degree because that's what it took to have those jobs. When you look at college, colleges and college degrees and all that type of stuff was predominantly for white people. I mean, it was just for white privileged people. And so you're seeing a huge shift away from the value of like what people view as college, as far as goes with getting a good job. But for a long time, it was a way to, even though this isn't intentionally how people did it. But in reality, it was a way to effectively keep some oppressed people oppressed. Mm. And so 
Uh, so that was one piece of why things were set up the way they are. The other thing though, too, is, is the people who are teaching it, they don't know how to manage their emotions. Mm. They don't know how to have healthy relationships. I mean, the divorce rate amongst teachers is a guarantee was no higher or no less than any other population. So this hasn't been taught to anyone. And then creates that self-perpetuating cycle. So, so and if you look at the way it works, when, when teachers are taught, what do you teach? Well, I'm going to teach history. I'm going to teach math. You know, we, we look at, in, in I think when you look at like coaching and life coaching and, and all that type of stuff, I do think, and people might look at this and be like, oh man, there's so many people that are doing coaching out there. I think we are just getting started with the amount of people who are going to be doing coaching out there. Mm. And the way I feel about that is if you look at the early 1900s, about 80% of all the labor force in the United States was agriculture. So literally, and they didn't even produce 100% of the food we need. We still in the United States needed to import food to feed everybody. Mm. Nowadays, it's less than 5% is in agriculture and we pay farmers not to plant food. But at the time, in the early 1900s, it was 80%. It was needed. People mm. had to do it. The work we are doing now as human beings, because up until the last 50 years, it was just survival. Mm. Now we look at like an increase of depression, anxiety, uh, all these different mental disorders and that type of stuff or diseases. A lot of it is because it was intergenerational trauma passed along by our great grandparents, great, great grandparents, grandparents. And they didn't have the luxury of feeling depressed. They didn't have the luxury of feeling mm. anxious because if they felt those things, they just died. Yeah. Their kids didn't survive. So when they look at you know, the, the baby boomer or you know, the older generation may look at the younger generation and say, man, they're really soft. But part of me, I look at this and say, you know, part of us, the, the work that, that millennials and are doing is to help process intergenerational trauma. And so it's like that anxiety or depression, that didn't all just come from me. It came from my ancestors. It's not a bad thing. I look at this and I say, so I, I don't take it personally when someone says, look at those people being so soft. I'm like, well, this is the work we get to do now. Mm-hmm. And with that, it means there is going to be a huge, so how we needed 80% of the workforce to be involved in, in agriculture. When we look at how much pe- help there is in the coaching mental health space and all that type of stuff, I could see a huge shift where literally the, that, that might be the most common job that exists. Yeah. Because people help and bring people pe- out of their stories. Absolutely. Of depression. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, but that's, and so you look at this, I mean, that's so that it, it's going to, we'd love to say it would start with education. That'd be such a great place to do it because then we'd have a new generation that would pop up and be in a good spot. That being said, I don't think that's going to be it's a reality. A, it's an uphill battle. It's, it's too daunting a yep. task. So it's going to talk from the in, individual and then yeah. working into the society. And you see, like, I mean, you'll see things with schools, charter schools that, that focus on this type of stuff and they gain a lot in popularity. And so if there's, you know, it, it's just a, it's a big boulder to move. Yeah. Yeah, I think the two things, like you said, in the education system that I've found, and I talk about this quite a bit, is the two things that any adult really needs to interact with the reality that we've created for ourselves is emotional intelligence and financial literacy, mm-hmm. both things they don't really teach. At all. And then you look at the, like, why is that? And, and the thing that fa- find, I find fascinating, too, is everybody that is an adult nowadays, I mean, we've, we've gone through this system for so long that everybody has gone through the education system. And they can't look back objectively and be like, there's something wrong with this. Mm. Like even people that get into the workforce, they then they bring their kids to the education system. And they're trying to get them to get successful and like perpetuates, but they can't take a step back and be like, what, is there another way? Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting too, when you say like, uh, why don't we attack these things? Like the, you know, go after them. How, where, where else in our world does anybody in normal society attack what the actual problem is? It is so much easier to put it on something or someone else. Oftentimes, when we, whenever we even, when we are frustrated with somebody and we say, oh, I'm frustrated because you were late. You're not frustrated because they were late. You're frustrated because there's probably some insecurity inside you 
that you don't like it when things are late or someone shamed you when you were a kid when you were late. And now instead of you processing and understanding that, you're taking it personally someone was late. And now you're just, instead of processing those emotions, you're just dumping them on the other person saying, mm-hmm. I'm mad at you because you're late. So we look at this, it's, it's very, if we can get curious enough in, in general, but, but society as a whole doesn't, the, the amount of reality that would smack someone in the face, if they actually got to the source or the root of what is actually happening within them. So if their life problems are their partner or their work or whatever else, and then finally they realize, because reality of it is, is that mm, this world is just a mirror. My work is just a mirror. My partner is What's just a What's the common denominator with all these problems? Absolutely. <laughs> but that's a really, that's a very hard thing because people haven't been taught on how to navigate. And, and it's a that. huge thing to ask somebody to all of a sudden take responsibility, especially like an older generation. You know, I talk like my parents, it's like, I can feel them starting to wake up a little bit. And mm-hmm. they're like, they, they joined this, uh, or moved into this kind of 55 and over community, which is really good for them. I'm really happy. Cause they're like, it's like a college campus for, for older people. It's really awesome to see how they've opened up and have new friends. Yeah. But you know, my mom started worrying about the the, the COVID uh, vaccine and her health. And she hadn't really been worried about it up to that point. And she's like, well, I don't know if I should take the vaccine or, but now I'm really worried about the virus and she's in that demographic. And I'm like, you know, there's things that you can do to take care of your health, you know, mm. like physical activity, getting outside in the sunlight, eating right. But she's like, I haven't been, do-. she literally said like, I haven't been doing that. How can I do that now? Mm. And for someone in that age to like all of a sudden take responsibility, then there's that huge guilt of like, wow, realizing my entire life, I had the opportunity to take responsibility and I didn't. And so you have to like, the older you get, then you have to kind of look back on all of those past mm-hmm. choices. And it's really difficult work. Especially when someone doesn't have the, the, the resources or like have the lightning strike them moment, because at the end of the day, what we know, and that's what, that's what keeps so many people in their life is because then they feel like they have to second guess the choices they made in the past. Mm. And, and what I hope for anyone like your mom eventually gets to is being like, Hey, with the knowledge I had at the time, I made the best choice that I know. Now I have new knowledge and now I can make a different choice. Mm. And that, that, that to me is something that, that permeates like a vast amount of my life. This, I, I was saying I was like, is, is what's true today could be not true tomorrow. And what's not true today could be true tomorrow. Mm-hmm. What we know about the world is that it changes. Impermanence is the only permanence. Absolutely. And, and I think, I mean, I look at like, I know you feel this way too, if you want a refresher on how not permanent things are, spend time in nature, mm. you know, look at how the weather changes. Look at how the seasons change. Look at how an animal's life is gone and how an animal's life starts and mm. is born, you know? And it's just, I, I was, I, I love, I, I look at, like I live on a farm and I learned a lot. I've had it for about 10 years and I've learned a lot over those 10 years. Uh, but to me, all we are as human beings or all any organism is, is just a suggestion. We're an energetic suggestion. So if I want to impact my land, I can put a suggestion out there that I'll plant a grapevine or I'll plant whatever else, or I'll you know cut some grass or cut down a tree. But if I don't tend to that land after a couple of years, guess what? It gets all reclaimed by mother nature. I mean, mother Rapidly. nature reigns supreme. I mean, yeah. it is crazy. Um, and so I just look at this in general, when I look at my interactions with humans, I just ask myself, like, what suggestion do I want to be? What is, what, if I'm going to, if we're all just energetic suggestions, so instead of taking things personally, I'm just like, oh, that, that person suggested something I don't like. This person suggested something that does feel good to me. Um, and so I just like that aspect of just being an energetic suggestion. Yeah. yeah you're talking a lot about energy. I would, I would love to dive into kind of, 
you know, this, a lot of people, I think we're kind of moving out of that uh, Newtonian physical reality into this quantum reality where we are more energy. And it's fascinating how science is actually starting to prove this. And that's mm-hmm. where we're going to. But so many people, it's like this long tail of people not really understanding it because they're stuck in these, mm-hmm. these old stories. Talk a little bit about your journey spiritually evolving into understanding yeah. energy and maybe share that with the listeners a little bit on what that means. Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, so I grew up in the church uh, and I still identify as Christian. Uh, what's interesting is when I talk to pastors and stuff and, uh, they, they dig, they dig what I'm, what I'm, what I'm stepping in when it comes down to my views around faith, uh, for those that I, my viewpoints may make some people in the church uncomfortable. Um, but that being said, you know, as a kid growing up, you know, I went to church and, and, uh, was very involved in the youth group and that type of stuff. And it was interesting to me because the, the, the sermons made sense, uh, you know, where sin was a struggle, which bear in mind, if anybody doesn't know out there, to sin just means to not be perfect. The, the mm, term To miss sin, the mark. It, it absolutely. It just means you didn't hit the bullseye. Mm-hmm. So if I did next to the bull, if I, if I handed you a bow and arrow and you hit next to the bullseye, that's still a sin. Mm. And so it's just like one of those things like, and I think when you look at, unfortunately, the way our world has worked is shame and guilt is such a powerful force and is used in not a healthy way. When we look at like the vibrational energy of shame versus the vibrational energy of love. It is love is one of the highest vibrations we can put out there and shame is one of the lowest. Mm. In a book like Power Versus Force by I think Richard Hawkins, his last name, he actually tracks the vibrational frequency through muscle testing and shame is actually the lowest. He mm. actually put a number value on it, which is 20 and love is like in the five, six hundreds. Yeah. And it, I can tell you. And, that, and the thing that was for me growing up, because when you're when you're a kid growing up, everything you believe is given to you. You don't shape your own reality. And we need to understand that. I always, I think one of the greatest things to realize is, is how much did you choose in your life? Cause you didn't even choose your own name. Mm. <laughs> and I think that that is just something that's so, and think about that. Well, how everybody knows you is your name and you didn't even choose it. Yeah. You the didn't number even one label that you have and walk around with. Absolutely. Wow. So for me, I, but I, but I can tell you, I found God in connection to the universe in the only way I knew how through the church but I still struggle with sin. I struggle with sin mightily. I remember like for me as a kid growing up, uh, my family, very well-intentioned human beings, but it was financially secure, but not emotionally secure. Mm. And I just learned that if someone asked me a question, uh, I knew what they were looking for. I knew the answer and what they wanted. And so if they asked me a question and I knew that I could kind of lie, you know, that like, but then that meant nine times out of 10, I wouldn't get caught. And then it was just made things easier versus if I said that 10 times out of 10, then my life wasn't going to be very fun. I just learned, you know what? Like, so it was a struggle for me all the time. So literally I got in this routine where I would lie. And and, and what's interesting is I even lied enough that I would convince myself that I was telling the truth because that was my reality, which I can tell you happens. It's it's more prevalent than we would think. Mm. But I remember, so I, so I, so I struggled, you know, so the sermons made sense where they say, you know, humans struggle with sin and everything else. And as I continued on this journey and I've always been very inquisitive, um, for me, I had, many moments in time where uh, I'm sure you know the book, The Untethered Soul and the Surrender mm-hmm. Experiment. So for me, that was a really pivotal book. Um, and when I was, I was, I got done with college, got married, uh, was married and with my ex for seven years. And her and I were two very well-meaning people uh, and our relationship was not functional. And so we tried and we had, I'm not kidding you, we had a life coach, a therapist and a counselor. And we literally did like almost three to four hours of coaching for almost five years. 
uh, trying to make it work, trying to make it work. And, and you look at this and you know, a lot of times those coaches would be like, we admire you guys and how much work you're willing to do. I mean, like, and so my ex was the best teacher I could have ever asked for in my entire life. I learned so many lessons, Mm. these lessons, but oftentimes we learn lessons. I don't want to learn them again. So these are, I don't want to find myself in a relationship like that again, because neither of us got to show up in, in the best way possible, but through that relationship, because I am trying everything. I am down on my knees. I am praying. We are centered around God and the church. I look at this. I'm just like, you know what it says? It says, have your own personal relationship with, with God. Have your own personal relationship with Christ. How does, how does God show up in your, in your world? And so I started diving more down that rabbit hole. What does it mean to, for myself to have a personal relationship with the universe? Mm-hmm. And um, man, I, I can, that, that has opened up so many doors for me, but what I looked at is, is that my ego was driving my decisions. So I was very successful at a young age in business. And for me, my ego, but my ego always, and my ego maybe was pleasant, but it was still my ego. And so my soul was telling me things. And if you look at even like most religions, you know, you look at like the Christian faith and they say, you have the Holy spirit lives inside of you. Mm. Where do you think that is? Part of me says that's your soul. Mm. And uh, I mean, we could talk for the rest of the hour about this transition, but I can tell you where I've gotten to. So what happened was, is the more I started tapping into my personal relationship with, with God, the less I felt the need to quote unquote sin, whatever, whatever that is. I mean, the interesting mm-hmm. thing was I had revelations, like eventually I had a revelation. That I'm like, right and wrong only exists in humans' minds, literally anywhere else in the universe, which we make up, we, humans make up 0.000. I mean, we, we make up a minuscule amount of this universe. There is no other right and wrong in the universe. We're mm. the only things that created this. Dogs don't know what right and wrong is. Yep. Things just are. So That's my- a huge revelation because all of it is God, right? And I think yep. a big problem with, you know, there's obviously a lot of a wide range of belief structures and systems within the church itself. But I think the big thing that I, I had an issue with, and I think a lot of people have an issue with, and it gets people in trouble is they teach separation. Like God is separate mm. from us. We're kind of built we're in the mud, we're dirty, mm-hmm. we're shameful. And then God created this existence and gave it to Satan and he went and did something else. But that's just, I mean, God is everything. He is. And, 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 I, and that has been my experience through and through. And what's interesting is as I've dove more into that, it becomes easier and easier to follow the teachings, mm. if that makes sense. So they make more sense to me the more I've developed my own, my own, my own, my own relationship with God. And, and when you look at this, I was, there's, a, there's a really good YouTube video called The Egg uh, yeah. Kurt, Kurt's cause yeah, uh, if you want to watch it, it's, it's amazing. It, it summarizes in seven minutes, what would take me three hours to explain to someone. It's just done beautifully. Um, it's just called the egg. Literally, if you Google it, if you, uh, YouTube is the first thing. Yeah. Check it out. Um, so when you look at like the egg, but, but at the end of the day, if God created us, we all came from source. We are all connected. We are all one. Mm-hmm. Like, like, that's the thing that's funny is it's not, you look at this, it's not like God created us and then put a veil which means like, oh, no, I'm cutting it off. Like I'm, I'm removing myself. He is in and involved with us. And if you look, and that's why people, if you've ever had a experience with God, that that shows he's still here. Mm. And when you say he, I mean, what is he, right? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it is more. Absolutely. And yeah. I always think it's funny too, when people look at this and, I, and, and for people who, so from my side of things, my viewpoint of it is, yeah, or I'll ask people questions if they're scared about how I'm viewing the fact that God is everywhere. We're all connected. Is I just say, uh, you know, how big is your God? And I was like, well, he's so big. You know, I'm like, well, how big? And like, like big enough that you can't even fathom him, right? And I said, well, I said, my God's big enough that it's all true. Mm-hmm. Meaning if you believe what the Catholics believe or the Christians believe or the Hindus believe or the Buddhists believe that there is so much space in this universe, so much space mm-hmm. that it, it's all true and it doesn't overlap. Mm-hmm. And there's this really good show called American Gods on, I think, Showtime. And it's, it's fun to watch. Uh, 
but in the, the first episode, this, this person dies and they go to effectively kind of like heaven. They meet Gabriel and they go to heaven. And like the third episode, this other person dies and she sits and she meets Gabriel and then Gabriel opens up this door and it's a door to nothing. And she goes, well, wait, I'm supposed to go to nothing. He goes, well, yeah, you believe nothing happened when you were living. So guess what happens when you died? You go off to nothing. So it was one of these things of just being like, well, you know what, if what you believe, we know this because we get into that, we're talking about the energetic side of things, Mm -hmm. literally our minds and what we think and what energy we breathe creates our reality. We are the creators in creation, creating our existence. Absolutely. What is more God than that? Mm -hmm. And so when I look at this, I'm like, so why not have this belief around if, if it allows you to light yourself up as a human being, I do think when you look at faith, and I think this is where it's unfortunate how um, the way it, it's, it's portrayed is every child that's born is different. When we look at different faiths, like being Christian, Catholic, Buddhist, Hindu, whatever it is, it's not a one size fits all. Literally, you look at this, these teachings are to teach us how to be a good human being on the planet. And if you think that every single person is supposed to subscribe to one thing, that's like just saying everybody's supposed to eat the same food. Supposed to, and as I said, there's an individualistic renaissance that is happening. And so for me, my life and my alignment with God has become so much more true through seeking out what, what feels genuine to me as an individual. Mm. And my hope is, is that people get an opportunity. And like, if you look at this, if, if you're, as I say, if you're scared to go down that path, that should be an indication that you should probably go down that path. Because mm. why would you be scared? If, there, if, if, if your faith reigns supreme and if everything else is, is, is you know, everything else it says in the Bible is, you know, is true to the T, then there should be no problem with self-exploration. Mm. You know? But the, the scary part is, is that it's probably going to open up realities. But those realities are usually centered around love and unity and harmony. Mm. And to me, when I get to wake up in the morning and go to sleep at night, man, I sleep well. And I wake up well because I do feel that on a daily basis, keeping that focus around harmony and unity and love, like I'm, I'm spreading wealth to the world around me every day. I love it. Yes, you are. Yeah. And like when you get connected to that energy, you can feel within yourself when your energy is off and you can actually have a self-awareness of why and be able to move that. And I do love this concept that like real faith, I believe is earned. Mm. It's not something like, like I've, I feel like the church I grew up in, you know, it's Christianity, but obviously all, there's so many different denominations and everything, but it's like this blind faith. And I think the biggest threat to that organized religion and blind faith is the question why. Mm. And when you ask the question why and you get curious and nobody can really answer it, it's like, well, what am I having faith in? Like, I don't feel that connection. I don't have that personal relationship with God. And like you, I went down my own path to find that experientially connecting to God. And it takes a lot of courage to go down that and question those stories. And it's mm-hmm. not an easy journey, but when you do, when you start connecting to, to the everything, to the all, then that aspect within you, your soul, the energy, the Holy Spirit, whatever you want to label it, starts working through you and you have a relationship with that thing. That's when the real magic starts happening. Which is what, which is what it's telling you to do in the Bible anyways. Mm. But that's, but what's, what I think is what we need to understand, and this is just what's helpful, is religion was formed the way that it was back in the day for a reason. Mm. It was for survival of humankind. And, if, and at that time, people weren't in their body enough. Th- that inner compass didn't have a voice because if that inner compass had a voice, it would say, I don't want to be pillaged anymore. I don't want to be raped anymore. I don't want any of that type of stuff. Cause life sucked. I mean, mm. like at the end of the day, I always look at this and for people, when we, when we are judgy on other people on the planet, like if I find myself being judgy, I'm just like, I look at this, I'm like the fact that I'm sitting here today 
meant that my ancestors were better rapers and pillagers than the other ancestors. Otherwise I wouldn't be here. So it's really, a great point to contemplate. From. Yeah. And so when you look at religion and everything else, it was there for a reason at the time. And those rules and, and procedures and stuff was there because that was survival. Mm. And so when we look at though, it's again, that's that thing of the, now we have new information. Our ancestors didn't have the luxury to be in their bodies. Otherwise they would have, they would have not made it. Mm we have the ability to be in our body. So now we can start tapping into that personal relationship to understand maybe how the Holy spirit works in us, how our soul is. And um, we have access to all the information of all the different teachings that if we have an open mind enough, we can start like learning and opening totally. our horizons, all these different things. Totally. And we're going to, that's why I say all the time, what a time to be alive because we literally live in, a, in the first time in actually modern human history. I mean, no telling how infinite number of times this has happened, yep. but where we can actually access higher levels of awareness. That's, that's the journey that we're on is raising consciousness because we, like you said, have this ability to survive in ways that we've never been able to. So that we have the freedom to access, but it's really hard. Even you talk about the systems that were created, like our government system and the way everything is created was created like almost 300 years ago. Yeah. And so we get attached to these old ideas without being able to evolve past them. Yeah. And, and you're absolutely right. And, and as a society as a whole, we are not woke, right? There is, there is a subculture of people that are waking up in many different ways. I always think it's funny. Um, there's like this meme that's like not awake. And then it goes, awake. And then it goes, tell everybody how you're so awake. And then finally it goes, get awake enough that you realize you know nothing. And then you just shut up, shut up and move <laughs> exactly, on with your life. Yep. You know? So it's like this thing of, um, uh, so yeah, I, I, you know, I believe that there is a Renaissance that's here. And what's nice with technology and everything else is that you don't feel alone in that process. Mm. In the past, if you're in your community, you're the only, I remember there were times when I was a kid, I just remember being like, I don't think this is what life is supposed to be like. I literally remember sitting here and I'm like, I'm looking around in this room with me and I'm just like, I don't think this feels true to me, and, yeah. and, but I just felt alone in that moment because I didn't have resources. And so having community plug into, at least for me, it helps a lot. Oh, it changes everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it, it is so isolating because then you are kind of told that you're the crazy one, like you, why are you yeah. acting this way? And it is really beautiful being able to, uh, to connect in that way. Um, I forget what I was going to say. I was, Go gonna, I was just going to say, when you look at just the governmental side of things and how, and most of the things we know and how they were formed 300 years ago, I think we really need to understand how much being a human is changing moving forward. I mean, mm. what it means to, to have community, what it means to have tribe, what it means to be married, what it means to have kids, what it means to be a producer. I mean, we're moving to a place where most people's jobs, we all know this, they're going to serve no role in you actually doing the job. Mm. I mean, when we look at things like, like I was thinking, I work in the wealth management space. And so when you look at things like inheritances, for many generations, inheritance was super important because that was vital for the survival of your ancestors. But we look at this, like, so your, your child, do you think your child's ever gonna have to worry about food on its, on, on its table no. or, or, a, or a roof over their head? Huh. No. So we look at this inheritance was invented to be able to put food on children's tables and a roof over their head. It was not to give. So at this point in time, if we're going to be focused on giving our kids inheritances, you know what we're going to be giving them? A Ferrari at 16. So the question is, is, is that really what we, is that line up? Mm. It does line up if I want to give them food and a roof. I don't really care to, so it's really like what, what the abundance that exists in our world today means that we really have to take some time to rethink. And, and at the end of the day, I know the, at best, the only thing I have control over my, is of myself and how I show up. And that's at best because I know I don't always have control and much less what is even control in the first place. But the point being is that like, I'm just like, okay, well then how do I, how do I want to show up on a daily basis? And, and I'll just be the, I'll have the effect 
to make the change that I want to see. And that's, and for me, it's like, what I've been really working on is really around just more being kind, kinder and loving. And that's, mm-hmm. and that's been a really neat exercise to dive down. Yeah. And I think that's really how we shift the world and shift the collective narrative is the, it's the internal journey mm-hmm. and it's not waking up. And then I feel like that journey that everybody kind of goes on is when you, when you wake up and all of a sudden you have this like mentality of like, I need to wake other people up mm-hmm. and it's, you're not really fully awake until you realize there's no waking other people up. Mm-hmm. You are who you are. And the only way to wake people up is through the energy that you bring. And that really is through presence, right? Absolutely. The healing power of presence is if I can really, cause everybody's just living their own story. There's infinite number of stories happening and everybody just wants to be heard and seen in their story, not being told that how they need to change their story. And so you can really heal the world by being present for people and just listening to them. And that is really what Jesus was teaching, right? Mm-hmm. Tell me about your beliefs around Jesus. Cause I know you're still Christian yeah. and you grew up in that so, church and how it's evolved. So, so I guess this, I was talking a little bit about just my belief. I, I truly do believe that we are connected to God at all times. Like, at an infinite level, like that, that are, we are not. And, and, and as well, when we look at the purpose of, of a human life, if you watch the egg, it, it does summarize it well, but that effectively our role is, is to just advance to a more loving state, to a higher vibrational state. All we are is energy. If love is the highest vibration we should, we can generate, then literally every ounce of my being should be focused around love. What is loving? And like, there's a really good book called uh, Tantric Intimacy you think it's about sex, but it's only like one chapter about sex. The other stuff is all about just connection. Mm, but that's all second, tantric is, is that energy connection, right? Absolutely. Mm. Uh, in the, I think it's the second or third chapter, it just talks about love. And one of the things it said that really hit me was it says, anything that is loving will never separate. So literally loving is always about harmony and unity and it is not divisive in nature. Now that being said, people are going to be like, well, what if I need to set a boundary with myself? You can still set a boundary out of love. Mm. You can still choose to be in a different space, but like you don't need to cut the person down. You don't need to guilt or shame them. If that makes sense because that's not loving. Mm. And so for me, it's like that. So anyways, to trace it back to like my, my little side tangent, uh, I'm like my viewpoint. I think that Jesus, so look at this. I think we are all many gods. At the end of the day, we, we came from God. We were created. And so everybody has different gifts. Everybody has different gifts. That being said, Jesus was named as a son of God. Yeah, yeah, he had some extra gifts. He had gifts that allowed him to like walk on water and heal people and stuff like that. We have different, it's interesting too, because I've had too many instances in my own life where people are tapped in to something and they're able to show me something about my life or whatever else. And it's not like uh, Miss Cleo, where you call in and she tells me about, you know, my grandparents and stuff like that, but more or less, deeper, meaningful things. Mm, I'm like, like these intuitive people that can yes, read you on a spiritual yeah. level. And, and for me, when I look at tapping into my own gifts, there are things that I literally get stuff that just comes from the universe. We call it a download, mm. a thought, whatever. Insight, but but yeah. man, they are, they're on point. I mean, and, what is thought anyways? Mm-hmm. Like, and that comes back to the, the, the idea of free will, right? Cause mm-hmm. like, if you're having a thought, anything that you're thinking is not inherently you, where does it come from? That's a good thought. <laughs> like what, like if I, if I like have a thought to go do something, was mm. that something that was given to me in that moment? But it's the illusion that I'm well, choosing it. I, you know, I, this maybe may make sense to some people may not, but when you look at like, where does the thought or where does that urge come from? Cause we look at this, we have different hormones in our body that allow us to do things. And, and the other thing too, when we look at like anybody who's done hunting, I always do this turkeys, for instance, uh, Day before hunting season starts, there's turkeys everywhere. Day hunting season starts, they've all disappeared. They are they can feel the energy around them, and something said to them, hide. Yeah. Then the turkeys go hide. 
Wow, so, that's fascinating. Right? But, yeah. it's, but it happens all the time. And so mm-hmm. we look at this, we get our energy. We, but in humans, since we talk, you and I talking, uh, we kind of kid ourselves where our guts and everything else, they give us so much information. If we can listen to that, it's going to help guide us. So I think that's mm-hmm. part of it comes from that. Uh, the other thing too, which I'm like, cause I'm looking at this, I'm like, oftentimes in life, I'm like, okay, if enough people believe in something, that means there's something to it. So astrology, astrology never really called to me, but then I'm like, okay, there's a lot of people that believe in these crystals and astrology and stuff. And I'm just like, I'm, I consider myself somewhat hippy dippy, but that was just really hippy dippy. And I'm yeah. like, how can I make sense of this? Because you know, you look at your human design and you put the location you were born, the time you were born, everything else. And it tells you all this stuff about you. And it's like wildly accurate. Yeah. It's fascinating too. And so I look at this, sure. I'm like, how can I make sense of that? And I'm like, okay. From a simplest sense, if you look at like a, I have a light bulb I want to turn on and I want to change the color of it. I literally, our humans, we've created these little LED light bulbs and I can use my phone and I can send a signal to cause it to be this certain light. Part of me, when I look at like the moons and all this other type of stuff, if I'm like some supreme being and they have to send a signal while a baby is being born and it's going to create a certain way, it only makes sense that literally it's like, how do they do it? Well, their, their radios is probably, you know, star alignment and sending off these solar blasts and all this other type of stuff that we can't even fathom or understand. That's how they're effectively shaping the world. That's why you look at astrology and they say, oh, it's a new moon. Mercury's in retrograde. Watch out. And it's like the world gets kind of fucking crazy. Uh, like I look at this and I'm just like, oh yeah, that makes way more sense because it's just like, you know, maybe it's the gods diddling with us a little bit being like, oh, I wonder what, let's see what happens in the world if we do this, mm-hmm. you know, put this energy out into the world. And so that's, yeah. I love that. I never heard that about <laughs> astrology, but that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Cause it is crazy how wildly accurate it is. It is. And that it's just like, why? So that's where I'm like, I'm like, okay, this makes more sense. So that, that was like me sitting in my you know room one day, just, I'm like, yeah, I think it's more just like kind of controlling lights. Didn't the human design thing, just some guy like get, you were talking about downloads. It like just came to him and he just like just mm-hmm. channeled it. Mm-hmm. And he was like, this is the thing. Mm-hmm. And I just plug in these numbers and it yes. goes into this chart. If anybody is listening, hasn't done human design, go check it out. We'll put a link in the show notes. It's pretty wild. And when you look at, and this gets into the more faith and religion side of things to me, I feel that God, our creator, gave downloads to different people at different times in history to help other people. Mm. So look at these different downloads, whether it be John from the book of John, you know, mm. or whether it be the, who, whoever wrote the Torah or whoever wrote all these other things, that these are downloads that and downloads have been happening all the time and they will continue to happen. That's what I find with the Christian church. And I talked to this about my, with my dad is he's like the, the, Bible is the book of God. It's divinely inspired. Mm -hmm. You know, it's written by God. I'm like, well, God didn't write it. Like, well, man written, wrote it through God, inspiring them to write it. And like, do you think that's the only people that God inspired to write divinely channeled texts? Mm -hmm. And like, there's, there's people that channel texts now. There's all these from all different cultures. They're all divine. I mean, you could literally widen the lens out of that. Like we talked about every thought is God's gift to us. Mm -hmm. Every single book then for, therefore is Divinely inspired. Absolutely. Technically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's definitely some truth to that. I, where, where I've come to like make peace with where people are at. Cause you know, like, like, like in this case with your dad, where he's just like, this is the word of God. And I'm like, if that helps him live the best version of his life, so be it. But I look at this. So, so for my side of things, it's like, okay, well if this, and so my question to him would be, do you think that that believing that helps you live the best closest relationship you can possibly have with God? That's cause if that is question. the case, cause if that is the case, you go for it mm. and stuff. For me, I've found that this is a great resource as well as many other resources. And I feel more tapped in. The Bible feels more real to me now that I, that I'm able to have my own personal relation versus the one that was just fed to me. Mm. And, but, but, but based on where everybody's at. So I just look at this and say, do you think that's going to help you live the best version of your life? If it is, I applaud you. Yeah. 
you know? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I feel more connected now with the Bible and, and being able to see the truth and even this, this story of Jesus and who he was as a man and what he embodied. Like, and that's why I tell my parents, it's like, we believe the same thing. Like I would, if Jesus walked in this room right now, I'd be like, whoa, what's up? Like I would want to learn from him, be around yeah. him. But the only thing that is getting in the way and the difference between us is a belief that you have. Mm. And I look at this and you look at Jesus was a really good healer and we have healers all over the place. Mm-hmm. And so if you just view it where he was just a really amazing healer, you know, that that's like, that's cause, but I can tell you, right. You look at Joe Dispenza's work. Uh, and where they have room, and if you guys haven't seen any of his stuff, I just finished reading his book, The Placebo Effect, which I know isn't his newest book, but it was still very really good. good. Yep. Um, but you look at this and they're measuring it, right? As far as it goes with people being able to have real change in their life where they went from unhealthy, having Parkinson's or cancer to being Parkinson's and cancer free, which sounds, I mean, it was interesting because people will hear this and they'll be like, okay, this is too woo woo. It doesn't work. This is BS. It's coming, man. It is coming. And there is more, I mean, at some point in time, you got scientific, what, what makes something science is when it's repeatable mm-hmm. and Joe Dispenza is doing the work to make it repeatable. So eventually it's going to be science, whether or not we can understand it or not and why it yeah. works. We just know it works. And I think it comes down to belief that if you believe it doesn't work, then it's not going to work. And mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the work Joe Dispenza does is you have to believe it mm-hmm. for it to work like full heartedly, like bought in. And that's when the magic happens. And when, I, when someone struggles to go towards something like that. My question to them is to say, what is it you're holding on to that is causing you to be scared of this? And to say, what, what value is held in the fact that you're saying, I'm not going to dive in. I'm not going to learn more about this. I'm not going to. And usually it has to do with something with the ego where it's just like, look, I'm, I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. And this is how I got here. And so, but I don't mind my response to him is, 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 is how you got here. Is that going to get you where you want to go? Mm. You know, and, and oftentimes in life, we, we, the, the answer is no. So it is me holding on to this idea that, you know, like I got a chip on my shoulder or whatever else. And that's why I'm not going to dive into or believe in Joe Dispenza's work. I'm just like, oh, I'm like, is that, is that your story you want to have? Like we, we get, we get to write our story. Mm-hmm. And, and then for me, I, I oftentimes ask myself, especially if something doesn't feel right to me, like, and when I say it doesn't feel right, it just means out of alignment, you know, conversation didn't go well. I always ask myself, what do I want my story to be? And that is something that has helped me. On a, I mean, on a daily basis and because, because I'll look at, you know, whether it be a relationship ending or a business deal or whatever else, I'm like, well, what story do I want? So, so if something is, if a story is not how I want it to be, then I always go, well, what do I want the story to be? And then I literally put that energy forward that this is the story. And it's amazing to me because if it's around love and harmony and unity, then the universe conspires typically to let that story become reality. So a relationship, uh, a, you know, a friendship that, that went sour then gets repaired. And instead of being this thing where we need to duke it out, I just look at this and I did the internal work myself where I said, I'm, I'm right. So, so uh, we had an interaction. It didn't go well. This relationship's not going well. I, you know, what do I want my story to be? I want my story to be that we get along. Like I want my story to be that, that like things are aho, that they're resolved. Right. If, if, if that's what makes sense. And then I just put that energy forward and it's amazing how people will come back to me. Cause we'll just be in the same space and we'll just be like, you know, I just, you know what? Can we hang out? Can we be friends again? Sure. Instead of having to like work it all out, just manifesting whatever reality is I want to have and whatever story I want to create. Mm-hmm. I love that. Creating your own story. We are the creators. Um, let's talk about death mm-hmm. and how that plays into this whole idea of living. You know, because I think even a lot of the the fear, it's like the, it's like the last frontier, the major fear that everybody comes up against. I think that's why we don't think about it enough, which keeps people from actually living fully. Yeah is this fear of death, even like the, the idea of Christianity. A lot of people like they use the fear of death to create this 
belief system that you need to believe that Jesus died for your sins in order to go to heaven for mm-hmm. eternity or hell for hell and damnation for eternity. Mm-hmm. And that fear cre- keeps them from living fully. Talk a little bit about death and what you think happens when we die. Yeah. Well, energy can only be transferred. It can't be destroyed. And, and so when we think about this, we know that our physical body is just energy, but also our thoughts are energy. We can mm. feel it. You can feel when someone is stressed, you can feel it or happy. You can feel it. Um, and so for me, our energy gets released. But if we look at this, I do think that our soul, so we all have a soul, uh, is a part of God. And when we die, it, it's, it, but, but bear in mind, my soul is the size of a cup. That, 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 that I, that's in this body right now. So the, the portion, but it's connected to a soul that's the size of the ocean. So effectively, when we die, my cup gets dumped back into the ocean and is made whole, is made complete. But within that ocean exists all the energy. In, in, in our eyes, we've said that heaven is good and hell is bad. My experience of the universe is things just are. There's things that maybe like for me, I gravitate more towards and things I gravitate more away from. But if I look at this, I think that all inside that ocean exists all of the heaven and all of the hell and all of the everything. And it's so much more vast than we can ever understand. And we're just along for a ride the same way water is when it enters the ocean. Mm. And then when a new child is born, a new cup gets scuffed out of, you know, out of the ocean, new child. And then, and then that, then that, then that water lives inside that being for as long as it is alive until it goes back into the ocean again. Mm. And so, yeah, I, don't know I like that. that. No, I like that. I like that metaphor and that analogy. The question that comes up to me and I, I've been pondering is, and it's, it's obviously like, the, the ego construct is the thing that is scared because mm. that's the thing that dies. But when you realize in this life, when you do quote unquote an ego death and you realize that the ego is just the story that you're living now and you have the ability to change that while you're living, then what is really dying? We are that thing. Mm. So my question is, is there an awareness? Like when we go into the ocean, does our awareness, like, are we still aware of the, a little bit of separateness? Are we like, what is that like? I don't think we are aware. I think that, I think that we, we are awareness period. Yes. It's just in, 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 so yeah, I, I don't think, I don't think we, I am an individual anymore. Mm. I think that my soul goes back into the ocean and it is not dividable the same way. And that's why I feel like when you meet someone where you're like, you have an instant connection or whatever else, chances are where you came from in that ocean was pretty similar to each other, mm. right? Maybe there's little pieces of you that were in a prior person at a prior time where effectively you both came. So, so you both have a little bit of a prior life together. Does that, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's why you just, cause you run into these people and you're like, for some reason you're like you, you, you'll just like, you're like, you lock eyes with them and there's just some synergy that exists. Yeah. I mean, I find it fascinating too. Cause when I was traveling on the road, I got, I mean, I had like 40,000 followers on Instagram and I, was traveling around and I found it fascinating in this hundreds of millions of people living in this country that like 40,000 is not even a drop in the bucket of people that follow me, but how many people I met on the road that were like, hey, I follow you on Instagram. Mm. And like to think about that, it's like the, the probability of that happening as many times as it did is just like astronomical. Yeah. And then even the probability of meeting like your soulmate, right? Yeah. It's like these pods of energy are meant to interact with each other in infinite ways, but it's just fascinating to kind of look at it from that perspective. Yeah. I always, when it, when it comes down to like the finding your soulmate aspect, I always think it's so funny when you look at this, I'm just like, it's amazing how many people find their soulmate in college. It's amazing how many people find their soulmate in their church, because I'm just like, if there's 7 billion people on the planet, the statistical chance of you finding your quote unquote soulmate would be next to impossible. Mm-hmm. And I think just the more truth of it is, is that we get to choose. And that's why it becomes a choice of who do we want to build a life with and how do we want that life to be? And if you take, I guarantee you, you take a hundred, that's why the show like The Bachelor, you know, has an opportunity to work. You take a hundred random people that are 
of the same age demographic, you know, attractiveness, whatever else. And I guarantee you, out of those hundred people, you're going to find 10 of them. You probably got some synergy with, mm. you know, it's not, it's not one in a million, but, but that doesn't, that doesn't cheapen the experience. I think so oftentimes we look at things being sacred when we look at the connection we have. And I, I always view when two people, whether it be friends, platonic or sexual choose to come together, I viewed it. So you take a glass of water and you have two different colors of food coloring. You drop those two food colorings and it eventually it mixes into this beautiful, and it's beautiful when you drop, if you've ever done that and water's really mm. pretty. And then you dance and you have this great dance. But then what happens with our souls is when we choose to separate those drops of water go, you know, it separates. So it's mm-hmm. like, a, um, and, and for me, I'm like, I view that each person that chooses to connect with another person creates something that is, is unique and is sacred and is not in competition with anybody else's. So it's like, we look at this oftentimes if we view that like, Hey, maybe one, we would get, you could have a good marriage with one out of a hundred people. But then like, oh, that would cheapen the experience. I'm like, no, 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 It doesn't cheapen the experience at all because each relationship you'd have, so each life you live, if you have the person you select, you get to build a sacred union with that person. Mm. And it's okay, the fact that you can, that, that it's possible you could connect and, and you could have a sacred union with another human being. I mean, yeah. that's why when someone dies, you know, or they get a divorce and it's just like, ah, I seem to have found another soulmate. Oh, even the idea of marriage, right? Because like it's this idea of like coming together forever. But what if it's just in the moment you guys are meant to be together and, yeah. and learn the lessons and resonate, and all of a sudden that energy starts going apart. And we we in our human existence have created the story that no, I can't. We try to work through it, but it's like the practicing of letting go because everything is impermanent. And then maybe there's yep. something else for us to experience and not getting so attached. When you look at relationships in general, I don't know who told this to me the first time I heard it, but it resonates is that you have a reason, a season or a lifetime and you just don't know what is what. So it's either going to be your relationship for a reason. And sometimes we have these relationships. You definitely know afterwards, like, Oh, that was for a reason. Yeah. Sometimes it's for a season. Sometimes it's for a lifetime. And how do you know when you meet someone, right? We just have our best guess, but I think, uh, when we can remember and pay, pay homage or homage, uh, I don't even know what the right way to pronounce it. I think it's homage. But, <laughs> I like the way you say it. Yeah. Uh, is that marriage in that being in it together until we die was set up for people to survive. It gave your kids the best chance of survival because guess what? If you got a divorce, that meant not good things. Any time in history up until like the last 50 years, mm-hmm. right? It, it, it meant so, so it was a, so that's not, so it, if we can pay, homage and say, oh yeah, that served a role. Then we can also say, well, what, what serves us moving forward? And I, and I live under the preface that if a relationship is serving the people involved in it, that they should continue with it. I remember I dated this woman and when we started dating, I had a really hard time because she goes, Hey Carl, just so you know, I don't believe in forever. And she goes, it's not that I don't want to be in a relationship forever. I just don't believe in it as a, as a fundamental construct, because what happens if we look at each other and we're not, we're not, we're not serving each other. She goes, I would love to set the intention that we're hanging out forever, but not, I don't believe in forever. And I remember at the time I'm like, well, I'm going to be all in. And like, and I was the one providing more of the financial resources and all that stuff. And I said, and then someday she's just going to leave me. Bear in mind, that's a totally an ego thought. <laughs> yeah. But then eventually I looked at this and I got to, cause I'm like, okay, Carl, I'm quiet myself. And then I started working through different scenarios in my head. And I said, I've got two ways I can show up. One, I can show up as a muted version of myself because I'm afraid she's going to leave me and I will you know, reserve some of my, my, my generosity, yada, yada, yada. Or the other one is I show up fully and I get to show up fully for whatever the duration of the relationship is. And make a long story short, I, I, I chose to show up fully. It was just like mm-hmm. that thing of just being like, if I can choose to show up muted in my life or fully, I'm, it doesn't matter what it is. I'm, I'm, at the end of the day, I hope 
I hope most people are going to choose to show up fully. And it comes back to being present, right? Mm-hmm. Cause that idea of forever is a projection onto the future. <laughs> and if you're living in that yeah. place constantly of fear of losing it, then it's, that doesn't actually exist, but you actually, I mean, there is an argument that you might manifest it because it's something you're thinking about into the future anyway. And, it, and I can, I mean, my human design is a generating manifestor. So it's, I got to be extra careful. Right? <laughs> what what I manifest, boom. Because, because it does become reality. And it's most, and I, I think like one of the things I, when I look at, if something happens as a pattern in our life where if someone's abusive to you or you feel abandoned, which is a really common one, abandonment is a really common mm-hmm. one. I can tell you if it's happening consistently, I would play, place a really strong bet that you're actually manifesting that into your reality. If you think people, if you look at this and like, everybody's abandoned me, everybody's left me, whether they've died, whether the relationship ended, guarantee you there are self-sabotaging things that that person is doing that is actually putting, so yes, you're right. The person did leave you. But that being said, there was 50 other things you did that that person then chose to leave you. Yeah. So you're viewing it as you're abandoned. It's like, but you know, you know, we are, we are manifestors. Yeah. That's fascinating. Um, man, this hour flew by. Uh, I really appreciate you sharing all your wisdom and knowledge. I feel like I could talk mm-hmm. to you forever. Um, I do want to get your perspective just, you know, I mean, I guess you can wrap on it for however long you want, but sure. where we're at collectively um, with the world and we're obviously in between these stories, right? Like mm-hmm. we, we, we reached a place like we talked about during the episode of this opportunity to reach higher levels of self-awareness and come back. But, you know, it's easy for someone to look out into the world and just see, be pessimistic and see that we're like, we're destroying the planet. We're mm-hmm. going to fuck ourselves over. Like, what do you think is going to happen over the coming decades and how do we kind of make that shift That's individually and collectively? Yeah. Uh, what do I see coming over the next couple of decades? I think uh, maybe a, a way I can answer this question is, hmm, what, what do I see as where, at least where I'm going to spend my time is, is, I think is a good way of doing it. where I maybe, and what I would hope more people would spend their time because mm-hmm. you have, society as a whole, and then you have an individual as a choice. Um, I, I do think that society as a whole works and has worked forever under oppression, meaning it's, it's the oppressed and the oppressors. And that, and that narrative is a long ways from changing. And if you really think about it for a long way, that it's like, cause like new babies are born every single day and everything else, and they don't have the ability to stand on their own. So there's going to be new oppressors and new oppressed that are going to be, and that's, and because that exists, it means that, so my choice is, is that I choose to not live in that world. Does mm. that make sense? Yeah. So, and I think that it is more people can wake up and then it, that you don't play tug of war with that world where it just is something where it says, look, is dealing with oppressed or, or being oppressed. I'm just not, I'm not dealing with it. But what that means is in the, I look at it like this, if I have 150 people on this planet that dig me and I dig them, that's more than enough to live a good life. Mm. That's, that's, that's more than enough. And so if I can find a group of people that we want to spend our time and energy and resources around each other, uh, and be it that we live in different States or whatever else doesn't matter. We live in the same community. Um, that in general, I think how I'm going to influence the world, the best way is not by getting on TV and trying to play tug of war with the oppressed and the oppressors. It is more or less creating an entire separate universe that people get to live and be a part of be it, you know, like I have my farm. And so during time, time frames, people come and, you know, hang out on the farm for a couple months. Um, or be it that I get to come and visit in Austin, Texas. Um, and so that is how I feel like is going to be the best way that as an individual, at least as an individual, uh, that anybody who's listening to this can make a change is by not playing tug of war with the world because it's, it's like a fire. I say a fire only burns with as much fuel as you give it. Mm. You're frustrated, a friend, a relationship's not going the way you want to you know, how I find the most effective way to deal with it is to stop fueling the fire with wood. Mm -hmm. And so 
in this case, when you deal with the oppressed and the oppressors, if you, the less I play tug of war, because when you play tug of war, you're giving it fuel. Mm-hmm. You are giving it fuel. Now, some people are going to feel with their free energy that they want to be that advocate in certain ways. Some people want to change the world a billion people at a time. But I know this, I know every person has the ability to change the world one person at a time. Mm -hmm. And so some of you that are called to change a billion people, I am like super on board. And I think that's wonderful. You can affect change and whatever feels good. Hopefully you don't lose sight of the fact that you do get to change the world one person at a time right in front of you at the same time. Yeah, I do want to say that's why it's so important to be careful of the content you're consuming, right? If you're sitting in front of the news and you are just feeding yourself the story and the narrative and there's a reason that you're reflecting that story back out. And if you can limit that kind of negative content consumption and really focus on the positive and the things that you want to create in your life and the connections that will go a long way and really helping out. Um, I really appreciate you, Carl, coming on. My pleasure. Is man. there anywhere uh, people can find you, reach out to you, any social yeah. stuff, anything I mean, if, you're working on? If they want, and I'm sure you can put this in the links, it's just Instagram or Facebook. Uh, just my, you know, it's just Carl Detman. It's pretty easy. So you're more than welcome to reach out if anybody wants any help with wealth management stuff, which is, you know, some people want help with that. I work mostly with entrepreneurs. Uh, they can, you know, same, same deal. You can, you can go down the rabbit hole. You can find me. So I love it. Yeah. And maybe one day you'll be able to party with Carl like I have, <laughs> and it will change your life. It is, you know, holding space and creating experiences for people to uh, have growth is something that is, I really enjoy. So yeah, I love you, Carl. Thanks for coming on, brother. My pleasure. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. I know Hopefully you have a big smile on your face because I do right now. That was an amazing conversation. Really grateful that Carl, you know, had some time to come over and wrap with me a little bit about the universe. Um, I would love to hear from you guys. What do you think of this episode? Uh, leave a review, rate it, reach out to me on Instagram um, and, and follow my newsletter. I think that's the best way to receive my content. Reply to that newsletter if you have any input, if there's any guests you want me to, to have on to wrap about the universe with. And um, like I talked about earlier in the podcast, if you want to support this um, and, and be a part of my monthly membership premium content feed, a lot of really special things I have in store for you guys, go sign up for that. The link is in the show notes. It's only $7 a month. That's as much as a cup of coffee at Starbucks. And it would go a long way in supporting me, helping me bring amazing content to all of you. Um, Really appreciate you. Subscribe, rate, review, and I want to hear your feedback. Love you all. Peace.